0: And I'm the host of the American Greatness America First War Room. I thank you for being here. This is our second podcast, and we're going to be talking about a lot of great subjects tonight Uh, House leadership, now that we know the direction things are taking, uh, some of the roles, the committee roles, also Biden's uh, climate initiative. And also, we're going to talk a little bit about the 2024 presidential election, which already seems to be heating up. Uh, We have a great guest tonight, Ed Henry, host of American Sunrise on Real America's Voice. He is that host from 8 to 10 every weekday morning. All right, it's with my great pleasure that I bring on our uh, special guest, Ed Henry, and again, who I said is the host of the American Sunrise on Real America's Voice from 8 to 10 every morning, Monday through Friday. Ed, thank you for being with us.
1: Oh, great to be with you. I appreciate it.
0: Well, thank you, Ed. Look, uh, some of the topics I want to talk about today, you're familiar with. We just got through an election, House leadership. Kevin McCarthy uh, now has a very slim margin that he's going to be dealing yeah. with. When I was in Congress, uh, we had a 29-seat majority, and it was still tough to get a lot yeah. of things accomplished. But I'd like to hear your thoughts and where you think things are going to go.
1: Look, uh, it's going to be very tough for Kevin McCarthy to even get the job. Let's be honest. It's not a done deal yet. He's gotten this sort of endorsement from the House Republican Conference. But as you know better than anyone, you've got to actually get a vote of the full House uh, at the beginning of the new Congress in January. I'm not sure he's got the votes locked up yet. There may be somebody who's seen as more America first, uh, whether it's a Jim Jordan, uh, you know, or uh, Andrew, uh, you know, uh, uh, Andy Biggs out in Arizona is talking about running. So let's see where that goes because this FTX story that's blown up, uh, allegations that uh, uh, that McCarthy used some of uh, this dirty money from the cryptocurrency exchange. Uh, most of the money went to Democrats, Gateway Pundit, and others have stories suggesting uh, that McCarthy may have used uh, some of the money to get uh, Madison Cawthorn, some of the MAGA. Uh, seen as MAGA candidates out of the way, he's got some issues with his conference. Let's see how that goes. If he does become Speaker, um, you're right. It's going to be a thinner majority than when you were in Congress. Uh, I think the bad news for a Speaker McCarthy or whomever the Speaker is, is that there's no room for error. And any block of uh, Republicans uh, who are not happy, whether they're some of the rhinos who might want to shift things to the middle, uh, or maybe some of the America first folks who think he's not doing a great job, uh, they're going to have great influence. But the good news for a speaker McCarthy or whoever uh, gets the job is that you have the majority, whether it's by one seat or two seats or 30 seats, you have the gavel, you run the committees, as you know, uh, and you set the agenda. And I think number one, you put a brakes on the Biden spending spree. Uh, and number two, we're going to see a flood of investigations not just the traditional ones that people were talking about, the Hunter Biden laptop. I think you're going to see some real answers finally about January 6th and and the D.C. Gulag. These political prisoners have been held, some without criminal charges yet. Uh, The conditions at that prison, outrageous. Uh, We need to get some accountability, some oversight that has been sorely lacking in the Biden administration.
0: Well, you're exactly right. And I appreciate those comments. If you think about it, Uh All of those issues now will come to the forefront, and exactly the committee chairs will have the ability to set the agenda and move many of those things forward, whether it's the you know the biden laptop, whether it's some of the things that uh have occurred uh throughout the biden administration uh they're going to have that ability to move that uh those issues forward and and as you said and it sounds like you would agree. That's probably going to be the one thing they can do. It's going to be very difficult to get anything done with the Senate still having a Democrat majority.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, But look, um, the Biden administration is going to have to do something they weren't willing to do, which is reach across the aisle a little bit. Uh, And if they're going to get anything done at all. Uh, they're going to have to work with the House Republicans, number one. Number two, what I would keep an eye on, and I know you know this, is you remember when you were in Congress, this idea in December, there are these omnibus spending bills. They call them Christmas trees because everybody wants to put an ornament on it with their pet pot project or whatever. This is going to be the mother of all Christmas trees because you're going to have Chuck Schumer, particularly Nancy Pelosi saying, what are we going to do to decorate this tree? Every single socialist dream, they're going to try to stuff into some kind of spending bill. I think it's imperative on not just Kevin McCarthy as the current House Republican leader, but Mitch McConnell, who's shown a willingness to write these hot checks to Ukraine, not put a brakes on, on on the Biden spending spree. They better not go home for Christmas, allowing the Democrats to stuff in all these things that they know they won't get done next year. They're gonna to try to jam it in December, right after Thanksgiving. I think people in your audience should be on alert about that.
0: Well, you're exactly right, and it is interesting. That will be the time to stuff everything in while the Democrats have control of the House and the Senate. And they'll say, look, do you wanna shut the government down? That will be the big issue going forward. Um, do you want to get a spending bill passed? You know, Republicans, they'll try and blame Republicans. And of course, as you're aware, um, the big issue next year is going to be the debt ceiling and the increase in the debt ceiling. And Nancy Pelosi was pretty smart. She pushed that off to next yeah. year, forcing the majority to make that decision, which will be the Republicans.
1: That's right. And Donald Trump has pointed out that Mitch McConnell on the Senate side gave in on some of that, uh, and, and was not tough enough with the Biden administration. Uh, and I think Trump was disappointed. I think a lot of America first people were disappointed because the can got kicked down the road. And Trump's point has been that Mitch McConnell had some leverage, uh, and did not use it and allowed, uh, A, you know, the, the debt ceiling vote, as you say, get kicked, uh, down the road to next year when now it'll be in the Republicans lap as well. They'll have some responsibility. But B, uh, that allowed even more spending by the Biden administration. It's about, it's high time, uh, that we, we put the Biden administration in check. But I think it's also worth calling out the Republicans. I'm, I'm a, somebody who looks at all sides of this. Uh, there have been a lot of Republicans who have been along for the spending sprees, uh, you know, going back many years. And it's time to put the brakes on that. We're over $30 trillion in debt, as you know. Uh, look at this runaway inflation. Uh, and it's amazing to me that the Biden administration was able to basically lie. Let's say it. Uh, for almost two years in saying that more federal spending was not going to put gasoline on the fire in terms of inflation. But you have even Democrats like Jim Clyburn in recent weeks have said that that federal spending only accelerated inflation. Of course it did. We knew that, but they denied it over and over. Uh, it's time to get our fiscal house in order, uh, and it's time to get this inflation in check.
0: I'm glad you said that because even when when I was in Congress, I was one of those people who said, we have to stop this spending. And back then, it was only 10 or $11 trillion when I first got to Congress. It is now over $30 trillion, and nobody's talking about it. Nobody seems to be talking about it. It's one of the reasons why the debt ceiling will force the discussion. But at the same time, um, you're exactly right. Republicans are as, as much to blame uh, over the years. We have allowed spending to continue to go forward. Um, I was always one that was fighting that. Uh, but let's face it, even during the Trump administration, spending was continuing and, and we need to take a real close look at what we need to do going forward to bring this spending down. Because yeah. as you said, the spending cannot continue to go un uh, w- without it being slowed down, stopped yeah, and check. turned back. Right. Yeah.
1: And look, there were some legitimate spending. I get it. You know, I mean, I remember covering the second Bush administration. You know, and they had this prescription drug benefit and had the Democrats beating them up on prescription drugs and they felt like they had to they had to do something about it. But what do you do? Do you create this unfunded mandate that just keeps growing and growing uh, within Medicare uh, and now Medicare, Social Security? All the entitlement programs are running out of money. Uh, and so it's been Republican administrations, not just Democrats who have spent the money, as you say. Donald Trump spent a lot of money when he was president. I get it. Some of that had to do with COVID. Some of that you can look the other way on. Some of the Biden spending was post-COVID as well. Uh, but then I think Biden took the COVID uh, excuse and just it was runaway federal spending. And we've seen that. Uh, and, and you know, look, the Inflation Reduction Act uh did nothing to reduce inflation under Joe Biden. Uh, and really, we've now seen even Democrats on the campaign trail were admitting in the run-up to the midterms. It was a mini Green New Deal. They were calling it a climate change spending bill. They they were trying to tout it to liberal voters as, look, we did a whole bunch. We did part of the Green New Deal. That wasn't supposed to be what it was. That was supposed to be an Inflation Reduction Act. And as you know, it was just the opposite.
0: Well, exactly right. And, you know, <laughs> Ed, one of the things that disturbs me, especially here in Ohio, but across our nation because you can multiply it uh, city, county, state, but all these mm-hmm. cities, all these counties, all of these uh, communities received this COVID money. And yeah. now they're sitting on COVID money. I can tell you the city that I'm sitting in right now, Wadsworth, Ohio, is sitting on $75 million. So that's a small community, but think about all the other communities. Think about the state, our state here in Ohio, sitting on $36 billion, extra COVID money that they're gonna spend and spend and spend. You talk yeah. about inflation, this is going to cause fl- inflation to continue to go up because that money's already out there. And even Republican mayors, Republican county commissioners and Republican governors are saying, we got to spend it. We're not going to give it back.
1: Yeah. I mean, I have a friend who does a lot of business in West Virginia, and he's talked about how they have an, a lot of unspent COVID funds. Uh, and look, they needed some of the money, but then now there's money uh, that they're just going to spend because they can either spend it or lose it, you know, use it or lose it. Um And then I think, too, if you push this forward, look what Joe Biden was doing in Asia. Uh, You know, he had this situation where he's now agreed to this UN deal uh, where we're going to pay U.S. taxpayer money into some kind of a global fund, which is sort of a reparations for these tiny countries, developing countries who are dealing with climate change. Why are our taxpayer money, why are we uh, bailing out these developing countries? It, it makes you scratch your head.
0: Well, and again, I want to move to that, uh, especially since that's something you talked about this morning on the uh, American Sunrise on your Real yeah. America's Voice show. You were talking about the Biden's climate agenda. Uh, this is this is real interesting. This is more spending. This is more of something that I'm not sure America has the ability to take the lead on when other countries. I know they all say they want to work and try, but America should not be the leader America should be worried about America first and exactly. what American policies and principles are. Your thoughts yeah. on that? Well, my
1: thoughts are, A, we should not be bailing out these developing countries when, as you said a moment ago, we're $30 trillion in debt. You come to Congress and we're 10 or 11 trillion in debt. A few years later, we're up to 30 and counting. Uh, and now we're gonna hand out money to Asian, African, Latin American countries who say they're getting decimated by climate change. It's not their fault and somehow it's our responsibility, that's ridiculous. B, I don't understand if you're going to do this as a global effort, the UN is leading this, where in the world is China? And that's the big problem for me, is that the Biden administration repeatedly lets China off the hook. If these developing countries want to come to the UN and other bodies, make the case that they're getting decimated by climate change, and we're going to show leadership around the world, where's the leadership from china they're one of the biggest polluters obviously if not the biggest polluter in the entire world so if there are developing countries in asia saying we're getting killed by climate change Point the finger at China, not America. I want to understand a key part of the America First agenda. Why is it that the hard-working American citizens watching your show, watching American Sunrise on Real America's way, why are we bailing out other countries, A, and B, why isn't China helping if we're going to do it? I don't think we should, but why is China off the hook? And this happens all the time, and that's why Donald Trump pulled out of that Paris Accord. He got a lot of grief from the left, but early in his administration... He said, "I'm going to worry more about Pittsburgh than Paris," and that was the work of Steve Bannon, now of the War Room at Real America's Voice, who was inside the White House, as you know. Uh, and they pulled out of that climate deal because China wasn't at the table. Uh, and so, how do you let the biggest polluters walk away, uh, and yet we'll we'll tie our hands and tie the you know the hands of of small businesses here in America? It makes no sense.
0: Hundred percent agree, and it's one of the reasons we do this podcast. It's one of the reasons the American Creatness Fund exists because we wanna be talking about America first policies across our nation, especially those states that matter in 2024. And that's why I wanna roll over to the presidential election. Look, we have Donald Trump who announced, um, I'm hearing across the country and and many Republicans saying it was too early, especially with the race in Georgia. Um, I'm also hearing from many that they're happy he did, they're glad he did, they wanna see him run, And then there's the crowd of Republicans who say, we really want him to step aside and we want DeSantis to run. Um, All interesting comments. There's going to be others running as well, Pompeo, many others who probably are going to, you know, touch the water and see if they should jump in. What are your thoughts?
1: Well, my first thought is Donald Trump's going to do what Donald Trump wants to do if we've learned anything, right? It's that he's going to do, no matter if the mainstream media says this is a bad idea, he's going to go his own way. And I think there are rhino established Republicans who didn't want him to get in. I think there was a mechanical argument he had, which was, you know, he he thought that the Justice Department was sitting there getting ready to indict him. If he gets in, it's harder for them to indict him, especially if he believes it's frivolous charges. And you know what? He was right on that score because within what, 72 hours of that announcement last week, all of a sudden Merrick Garland gets checkmated and says, I don't have the guts to make this decision. That's basically what he did. I'm going to hand it off to a special counsel. Now, there are questions about that special counsel and how fair he's going to be. But I think Donald Trump wanted to get in here and say, look, I've danced around it long enough. I'm in. Uh, now it gets to the question of, is he the most viable candidate? Is he the best uh, person uh, to win and advance the America First agenda. Right now, he's 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 the giant in the race. Uh, and if I'm going to bet any money, I'm going to bet on him. Uh, the challenge, I think, for him is, if you look at these midterms, uh, when you and I met at that uh, Trump rally several months ago in Ohio, uh, it was Donald Trump's endorsement that got J.D. Vance out of the primary uh, to, to eventually win that Senate uh, general election against Tim Ryan. It was Donald Trump. He's still the most powerful force in the Republican Party, number one. Number two, the vast majority, over 90% of his endorsements went his way. He won on a lot of these. Uh, But the third point I would make is he didn't do as well in some of these battlegrounds in the general election. In the case of J.D. Vance in your home of Ohio, it worked. Uh, But I would argue that whether it's Nevada, Arizona, Pennsylvania, there were some other Senate uh, battles where Donald Trump's endorsement got Dr. Oz all over the hump in uh, Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, but as you know, wasn't enough uh, to win the general election. A lot of people feel like that was fraud, uh, and that's the real reason. Uh, there's going to be challenges, there's going to be fights, but at the end of the day, Fetterman's a senator-elect. And so my point is, I'm not picking sides in the uh, Trump potential battle with DeSantis, but DeSantis is going to be marketed by uh, people against Donald Trump as the fresh face, uh, maybe the younger, less baggage uh, kind of form of, of the America First agenda. And what Donald Trump has to show is, yes, he, he's he got that 45, 47, whatever the percentage is, hard Republican base that's going to be with him no matter what to the last dog dies. But can he get uh, these candidates in 2024 and himself over that? 50 plus one. Even in a state like Georgia, you had Brian Kemp who was not running with Trump. They don't get along much. And he wins by eight, nine, 10 points in the governor's race. And then Herschel Walker, who's Trump's guy, uh, doesn't get to 50 plus one, now has that runoff you mentioned in December. We'll see how he does. I'm still betting on Walker. A lot of the money in the organization has gone his way. Brian Kemp has now said he's gonna get his get out the vote there, but again, people are concerned about fraud in Georgia as well, we should note. But that's the challenge for Donald Trump. He's got that solid Republican. But he's still the most powerful force in the Republican Party. But in 2024, when there are a lot of uh, Senate Democrats up for election, more Senate Democrats than Republicans, the Republicans have this golden opportunity like they just missed to take the Senate back. They got the House. You and I have talked about that, but they came up short in the Senate. Um, is Donald Trump going to be the best person? To bring uh you know uh Republicans in battleground states across the finish line in the Senate battles, uh, as well as himself. I think he can get the nomination, clearly. He's the most again, he's the most powerful force in the Republican Party. He's the the, the giant in the room. But can he get that 50 plus one in the battlegrounds? He can't win the presidential without Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Georgia, Arizona, some of these states that A, there are real concerns about fraud and B, some of his candidates did not get across the finish line. That's the challenge.
0: Yeah, I would agree. And what's interesting, and I hear this all the time, the greatest asset for Democrats is Donald Trump running uh, because he will energize the Democrat base as well. What are your thoughts there? Yeah, I mean,
1: look, he's a get-out-the-vote machine for the Democrats and the Republicans, right? Uh, again, you and I saw that in Ohio. J.D. Vance won that primary and won that general election because he had Donald Trump and the MAGA folks, the America Post, First votes they turned out for J.D. Vance at Donald Trump's instruction. And let's not uh, hide. J.D. Vance, I think, is a strong candidate. He stood on his own two feet. Uh, now, uh, push it forward. You raised a question a moment ago that I didn't address. You know, should Donald Trump have waited on his presidential announcement until after that uh, early December runoff in Georgia? It's a fair question, uh, because what's going to happen now in Georgia, the MAGA forces, as we just mentioned, are going to really get out there and vote for Herschel Walker. But the anti-MAGA forces are going to get out there as well uh, and try to get Warnock, the incumbent Democrat uh, senator, uh, across the finish line. So let the best man win. Uh, and that's going to be yet another t- test for Donald Trump. In fact, your state of Ohio is kind of in the middle of this yet again, as it always is, is a big battleground. Remember, the last rally, as I recall, that Donald Trump did uh, before the midterms was that Monday before Election Day on Tuesday, uh, he did it. It was in the Dayton, Ohio area, I believe. And yes. he was champing at the bit to announce that night. Some people have told me that he was talked out of announcing at the rally on the on the tarmac by Eric Trump and others that he really wanted to announce. But I think some of them were saying, look, you're you announce in Ohio, you're going to get the MAGA people out. But to your point, I think you're right. He's also going to get the anti MAGA people out. So at some point, the rubber's going to meet the road here. And Donald Trump's either going to show that that he can get that 50 plus one in the battlegrounds, or there's going to be a new face like DeSantis. I don't see anyone other than DeSantis really being able to challenge Donald Trump at this point. To me, it's a two-man race.
0: I would agree with you there. And, and you're right. Herschel Walker's race is going to be a big race because we have Republicans now who are getting out and supporting Warnock against Donald Trump. So you got the Democrats supporting Warnock, you got Republicans who want to get out. It'll be interesting yeah. to see how strong Kemp will be because he's going to step in and try and get uh, you know, his machine working as well. Uh, it's one of the reasons why they said many people have said they hoped that Donald Trump would have waited. But we'll see, because clearly uh, this will be the first test. And if, if Herschel Walker does lose, as you probably know, the, many, many Republicans will say it is Donald Trump's fault. Yeah. And,
1: and it's a question, right? Is Herschel Walker going to bring, bring Trump in for a rally or not? I would anticipate that he's going to want to because he's gone this far with Trump. If you start running from him in the final days, then you're kind of caught between am I MAGA or not? You get you either go all in on MAGA or, or you don't do it at all. And so I would expect that if not a rally, he's going to get some phone call town hall meeting with Donald Trump to get the vote out. Because he's going to need the Trump forces out there. But there's an interesting phenomenon. I mentioned it in Georgia, uh, where Brian Kemp outpaced uh, Herschel Walker. Uh, he was the sort of uh, non-Trump aligned governor, to say the least. They're not the best of friends. But same with Dewine in your home state, right? Dewine, while while uh, Vance won on his own in the Senate, Dewine did even better as a more establishment Republican governor in Ohio, in terms of votes. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And the one thing I will say about Ohio, which is a little different than Arizona, Pennsylvania and other, is Ohio's Democrat candidate was horrible. So the top of the ticket was a little bit different. In fact, almost 600,000 less votes to the governor candidate this time than 2018 in Ohio. So I do think Ohio was a little different. The Ohio Democrat governor candidate did not even match the statewide Democrat candidates. She had less votes than them. It was not a good comparable when you compare to Arizona, Pennsylvania, where the Democrat, uh, governors or the Go- Democrat candidates yeah. actually were able to have a base and, and energize the Democrats. I think in Ohio, Democrats actually voted for Mike Dwine. In fact, I know a lot of Democrats that voted for Governor Dwine, but we're going to see a little bit of difference in uh, Georgia. Um, and those are the states that matter. I think it's going to be those key yeah. states. I'm hoping that. Uh, Herschel Walker can pull this off. And I'm hoping that in the end, whatever happens, the America First, uh, MAGA movement, is it has to be the most important thing moving forward in the presidential election. I'm sure you would agree with that, too. It's
1: the biggest force in American politics. It's what's keeping a check on, on at least some of this federal spending. Uh, Donald Trump, uh, we do a segment on on American Sunrise called Trump was right. I, of course, I don't believe he was right about every single thing. But the point is, when you look at uh, his approach around the world, uh, where everyone uh, in the mainstream media predicted he was going to get us into a nuclear war, uh, when, in fact, North Korea and China and others were scared about what his next move would be and didn't dare challenge him. Putin didn't dare go in and, and try to take Ukraine like now. Uh, because of, of Donald Trump's power and influence, uh, energy independence here at home, uh, Joe Biden on day one killing the Keystone Pipeline, not just those jobs uh, that were at stake, but also American energy independence. You can go down the line. So I think you're right. It's the biggest force in American politics. And who's going to lead that? Who's going to take it to the next level? Is it Donald Trump, like, win one more for the Gipper? Uh, or is it, hey, let's pass the torch, uh, to a new generation in the form of somebody like the same. That's going to be the challenge for the Republican Party. I'll put one more state uh, on the table for you to chew on, which is Nevada, another battleground. So you had Laxalt in the Senate race. Now, a lot of people, again, think fraud was the key factor and that the Democrats stole this one. But Laxalt was the Republican, backed by Trump, on board with the idea that the 2020 election was stolen, on board with everything that Trump uh, was pushing. He loses by less than one point. In the governor's race in Nevada, as you know, Lombardo was also backed by Trump, the the former sheriff, but in their big debate, Lombardo against the incumbent Democrat governor uh, said that he didn't buy into Trump's idea that the 2020 election was stolen. Trump was furious about that debate, Uh, but Lombardo separated himself there, number one. And number two, in the debate, Lombardo was asked, was Trump a great president? And he said, no, I think he did a lot of great things. He did a lot of good things. Uh, but I don't think overall he was a great president. Again, Trump was was enormously frustrated, as you can imagine, with that. But here's my point: Lombardo ends up winning that governor's race by about four points or so because he's he gets the MAGA people out, but he separated himself and kind of ran as as his own man. He walked back some of that stuff from the debate uh, because Trump was thinking about pulling the endorsement. People have since said, uh, but the point is he had some distance from Trump. He wins in Nevada. Laxalt, who did not have distance from Trump, just barely loses. I put that on the table. Uh, and I, I think people should chew on that uh, and, and, and see what lessons they learned from that.
0: It's a great comment. And in fact, it's something I've heard recently many, many times that those candidates who came out and said the 2020 election was stolen and Donald Trump won did not win the elections uh, when me. Donald Trump endorsed them, many of those races. And um, it's going to be interesting when you tally those up. There are a lot of endorsements that Donald Trump made of Republicans that won, but never yep. said the 2020 election was stolen. So interesting comments you made there because I'm hearing that more and more. And it's, uh, it's an interesting perspective when you're working with way.
1: America first in the agenda, but, but running as your own man or woman, uh, you know, standing on your own two feet.
0: Right. Well, look, I want to thank you for joining us. We've covered some great topics. Uh, this is what the American uh, Greatness America uh, First War Room is going to be all about. And uh, we appreciate you being on board. We look forward to working with you, talking with you, but also we'll working back. side yeah. by side with us.
1: We're looking forward to that. We'll have you on American Sunrise. You've been a great guest before and we'll have you back. Great being on with you and everybody in your audience.
0: I want to thank you for joining us on the American Greatness America first war room. Uh, this is our second podcast, but we're going to have many podcasts in the future and many special guests as we talk about our nation, our country, and things that will affect you and our country going forward nationally. So thank you for being with us. If you liked what you saw and your interest in being part of the American Greatness War Room, I ask you to go to AmericanGreatnessFund.com, sign up. Join our initiative, donate if you like what you're seeing, and hopefully uh, we'll see you again on many of the future podcasts. So thank you again. God bless you all, and God bless the United States of America.